Hello, everybody. I'm Dr. Leroy Martin at the Pentecostal Theological Seminary in Cleveland, Tennessee. And I'm here with my good friend and colleague, Dr. Rebecca Basdeo-Hill. We teach Old Testament here at the seminary. And we, we want to welcome you to our Bible study podcast, Words of Life. We're studying the book of Judges right now. And we're in chapter 16, beginning with verse 23. And uh, we're going to uh, pick it up there. Um, with verse 23. Now, last week, just to remind you, uh, Samson had been captured by the Philistines and they put out his eyes. And uh, we, we remember that throughout the book of Judges, sin always leads to bondage. Reminds me of what Jesus said in John 8, 34, that he who commits sin becomes a servant of sin. Samson's experience was no exception to that rule. His disobedience brought him to a place of servitude. The Philistines put out his eyes, they imprisoned him, and they sentenced him to hard labor. There is a, a kind of a good news here or an anticipation of some uh, possibility for recovery in verse 22 where it says that Samson's hair began to grow again, a fact that alludes to the law of the Nazarite. According to uh, Numbers 6, 6 and 12, uh, Nazarites who have broken their vows can rededicate themselves to the Lord and begin their consecration anew and afresh. So the possibility of rededication is an option that is open here to Samson. Uh, so we're going to read a, first, a, a few verses. Uh, I'll call on you, Dr. Hill, to start us out with the reading there. And um, um, so uh, let's see, how far do you want? You want to just go to the, the end, end of the chapter? Yeah, okay. Just go back. Okay, so verse 23. Now the lords of the Philistines gathered together to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon, their God, and to rejoice. And they said, Our God has delivered us delivered into our hands Samson our enemy when the people saw him they praised their God for they said our God has delivered into our hands our enemy the destroyer of our land and the one who multiplied our dead so it happens when their hearts were merry that they call that they said call for Samson that he may perform for us so they called for Samson from the prison and he performed for them and they stationed him between the pillars then Samson said to the lad who held him by the hand, Let me feel the pillars which support the temple, so that I can lean on them. Now the temple was full of men and women. All the lords of the Philistines were there, about 3,000 men and women on the roof, watching while Samson performed. Then Samson called to the Lord, saying, O Lord God, remember me, I pray. Strengthen me, I pray, just this once, O God, that I may with one blow take vengeance on the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson took hold of the two middle pillars which supported the temple, and he braced himself against them one on his right hand and the other on his left. Then Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. And he pushed with all his might, and the temple fell on the Lord's and all the people who were, who were in it. So the dead that he killed at his death were more than he had killed in his life. 
And his brothers and all his father's household came down and took him and brought him up and buried him between Zorah and Eshtaol in the tomb of his father Manoah. He had judged Israel 20 years. Thank you so much for reading that. Uh, This is a very, very sad ending for Samson. Uh, Tragic, but yet uh, some sense of a victory in that he defeated the enemy there and destroyed their temple. But let's go back and, and uh, think about these verses, beginning with verse 23. The gods, the lords of the Philistines gathered together to sacrifice to Dagon and to rejoice. The capture of Samson was reason for great celebration among the Philistines, and they assembled together at the temple of Dagon, Dagon was their God. And so they assembled in order to give thanks, to rejoice, to celebrate their victory. They praised their God for delivering Samson, their greatest enemy, into their hands. You want to comment some more on this this scene, Dr. Hill? Well, it seems like it wasn't enough to just capture and blind Samson and, uh, and make him do forced labor, uh, but they also wanted to mock him even further. So they brought him into the temple to perform for them, right? Right. Uh, uh, to, to mock them. I do want to say that, you know, Dagon, their god, uh, not much is uh, made of, of Dagon, their god, but the book of Samuel that follows Judges, mm-hmm. we know that Dagon is destroyed when mm-hmm. the Ark of the Covenant is placed um, in the temple of the Philistines. Because if you read uh, Samuel, for example, in chapter 4, the Philistines capture the Ark of the Covenant, and they take it and they place the Ark of the Covenant in the temple of Dagon. Um, and Dagon, again, they're, they're, um, they place it there so that they can rejoice and they can worship and they can thank Dagon for allowing them to capture the Ark of the Covenant. But uh, 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 Dagon is destroyed uh, then. And so it makes me wonder if there God takes vengeance, not uh-huh. only for the Israelites, but, on Sa- uh, for, but he avenges Samson as well, you know. Um, but right. So, um, so they bring him there to perform. They worship their god Dagon, uh, and notice that in verse twenty-four they said, "When the people saw him, so they saw Samson, their enemy, they praised their god, for they said, our god has delivered into our hands our enemy, the destroyer of our land, and the one who multiplied our dead." So Samson had terrorized the Philistines. Mm-hmm. And he had killed many of uh, their people. Um, so, um, so they brought Samson and placed him between two great pillars near the center of the building. Um, and he is in full view of the crowds. Samson, when Samson is w- made aware of his location, he thought of a plan. Um, and so by faith, Samson spoke to the young man who led him through the crowd or through the building or the temple. And he said in verse 26 to put me uh, in between the pillars so he can feel the pillars and lean upon it. We don't know why at that point, um, but the, the, his guide does as he is told. Um, Samson knew 
that he had lost his strength. And um, I think even though Samson's story is a sad story, it's a tragedy, there is a glimmer of hope um, in the end, at the end. Um, and so he does call upon the Lord in his darkest hours because he knew now uh, he needs God to help him. And so he says, he calls upon the Lord and he says, to, he says first, remember me, uh, I pray, strengthen me, I pray just this once, O God, that I may with one blow take vengeance on the Philistines for my two eyes. So we are reminded that even though the Israelites were living in subjection to the Philistines, they had not prayed to the Lord for his help. Samson, however, calls upon the Lord and he asks that the Lord will give him strength just once more. You know, in other words, he's saying, Lord, have mercy upon me. Be gracious to me. And so he took hold of the two pillars and uttered his final prayer. Let me die with the Philistines. And so with all of his strength, he pulls down the pillars and the temple collapses on top of the 3,000 Philistines who had gathered to worship their god, Dagon. Samson's last sacrificial act did not defeat the entire Philistine nation, but by destroying their central pagan temple, Samson won a great victory, which was far more significant than any of his previous victories. Samson was physically strong. But he was tempted to rely upon his own abilities rather than to rely upon God. However, when he lost his strength, he found real strength in God. And that's what happens to us, right? Mm -hmm. when, we're at the, when we're at rock bottom and we have no other resources, that's when we call upon God. So at the end... Um, Samson is confronted with his own human frailty, his own human weakness, and he is forced to cry out to God. So, uh, likewise, at times, we are faced with our own human weaknesses, and it's in those times we don't give up, we don't turn away. It's in those times that we cry out to the Lord like Samson. We cry out and say, Lord God, Please remember me. Make me strong just this once more. We should be thankful for our abilities and for our talents. We should be thankful for our training and our resources that God has given to us. However, we must remain humble and obedient, remembering that our effectiveness depends not on our own strength, but on God's strength. It is clear that the endowment of the Spirit does not grant infallibility to humans. It is also clear that Spirit-filled leaders are not exempt from the demands of biblical holiness. Barak is celebrated for his victory. Remember Barak back in chapter, uh, Judges, uh, Judges chapter 4? He is celebrated for his victory, but he is rebuked for his hesitancy. Gideon is praised for leading 300 brave soldiers against the mighty army of Midianites, but he is reprimanded for constructing a golden ephod. On the other hand, the judges devote themselves to the saving mission of God. On the one hand, the, the, the judges devote themselves to the saving mission of God, but on the other hand, their reputations are stained by their moral flaws. So what we suggest 
is that the book of Judges corresponds to our present day struggle with charismatic leaders. When leaders fail, we do not know what to do. And so today, the church seems unable to deal effectively with issues of discipline. We rightly affirm God's requirements for leadership, but we have unwittingly created an idealized view that tends to follow one of two extremes. Some prominent ministers are not held accountable for their sins because it is believed that the success of their ministry is proof that they are in good standing with God or the success of their ministry is reason enough to cover their sins and not to hold them accountable. Uh, Other ministers are forced out of their ministries because of sins that might demand disciplinary action, yet should not disqualify the person for ministry. So either we refuse to require accountability for moral failings, even when that person is convicted for criminal behavior, or we demonize any leader who is suspected of a moral lapse. So uh, Dr. Martin and I, we recommend that we give more attention to the Apostle Paul's directive, which says, uh, which he says in Galatians 6 verses 1 through 2, he says, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you are spiritual. You who are spiritual, restore such a one in spirit of gentleness, considering yourself lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Putting his teaching into practice at Corinth, Paul uh, encourages the the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 5 and 1. He says, most of you opposed him, and that was punishment enough. Now, however, it is time to forgive and comfort him. Otherwise, he may be overcome by discouragement. So I urge you now to reaffirm your love for him. That's 2 Corinthians 2 verses 6 through 8. It seems clear that Paul's ultimate concern for those who have fallen is repentance, redemption, forgiveness, and then restoration. Amen. Thank you, Dr. Hill, for that great um, uh, explanation here of the end of Samson. Uh, Samson's story uh, certainly is, is complex, and in some ways it demonstrates human failure, but it also demonstrates God's grace. Because the two times that Samson prayed, God actually answered his prayer, didn't he? Right. God answered the prayers of Samson. Um, And I I think sometimes we underestimate uh, God's willingness to hear and answer prayer. Uh, And so one, one of the important points, I think, of the Samson story is that that um, that the grace of God is not just about salvation, but about how that God is willing to come and help um, when we're in trouble. Samson was in trouble. He prayed, and God answered. So God is a God who answers prayer. So, you know... Uh, I think all of us can can identify with Samson in some way because we realize that that everybody has weaknesses. Everybody has some kind of weakness. Uh and we we but but the the problem with Samson was he didn't he didn't seem to um 
he, he didn't seem could seem to recognize his own weaknesses or appreciate the severity. And he did not take advice. <laughs> right. He didn't his parents tried to help him, right? No, I think because he was strong and he defeated the Israelites because like you said he did not know the text says he did not know that uh, the Lord had departed from him and and I think this was the first time Samson knew what it was to be weak. Mm-hmm. So that's why he had to call upon the Lord. He recognized it was the Lord who gave him strength. Right. Um, and so, you know, I think he did not appreciate what God had given to him. Right. Exactly. And. But in the end, even after his great defeat, I mean, he's captured, he's put in prison, he's put forced to do hard labor, his eyes are poked out, and yet he doesn't give up. He doesn't give up, you know. Um, uh, the Bible says a good man falls seven times but rises up again. There's always that, you know, God wants us never, ever to give up on, on him and calling on him and to give up on God's plan. So, you know, we've, we, we may suffer defeat, but but we must not allow defeat to be final. We must always pray, repent, and get back up. Amen. Amen. Well, um, this, uh, this particular podcast may be a little bit shorter than some of the others we've done, but we came to a, 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 a stopping place here at the end of chapter 16, so I think it might be a good place to stop, and we'll uh, pick it up there. Um, Samson judged Israel 20 years. Uh, perhaps we should at least mention before closing that all of the events narrated in the story of Samson, if you add the time frame of all those together, they only occupy maybe a few weeks out of 20 years. Right. Which, which suggests uh, as well the focus of the book of Judges. The focus of the book of Judges is on what happens when people disobey God. That's the focus. When Israel disobeys God and falls into idolatry, what, it, what happens? With the, the story of Samson, Samson we don't read about all the days of peace within those 20 years that he judged Israel. You know, nine, about 19 peace. years were good. But we read about his, uh, you know, his escapades, his failures and his weaknesses. And so uh, it, it's the, the point of this book then is... Um, that we must remain faithful to God. Uh, so, but realistically, uh, uh, let's just remember that out of 20 years, there were, there was a time in there where, where Samson is, is performing his duties as expected. 
but you know it's it's like the the um the book of Ecclesiastes that says uh one fly in the ointment ruins the whole batch, right? Right. <laughs> uh or like Ezekiel uh, where the Lord said to Ezekiel, a man can live all of his days in righteousness, but then if he sins, all of his goodness is forgotten. But on the other hand, he said a man can live all of his days in sin, but if he turns to God, all of his sins will be forgotten. So where are we now? It's not what we did yesterday or last year. What? Where are we now with God? Where are you with God today? Are you hot or are you cold? Right. Any final words, Dr. Hill, for this episode? No. Thank you all. We will pick up next time at Chapter 17. Please subscribe to our podcast and watch all of them, and we hope and pray that we are a blessing to you. May God bless you today.